According to Matthew, glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me. Jesus said to him in reply, Allow it now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. After Jesus was baptized, he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened for him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Uh, praise the Lord. And Merry Christmas, by the way. It's still Christmas time, in fact. But you got to get out of your system now because after today, Christmas is done. So sadly, we gotta, by the time you come here next weekend, the Christmas decorations will be all wiped out. Huh? Even in Portola, it's, it's sad because when you take it down, all of a sudden it looks so empty and bare. And so... Today marks the end as we come now to celebrate this amazing feast it's called the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. And so we're going to dive in and we're going to break open these awesome readings. Well, let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do you think is the most famous song? In English. The most famous song, in fact, it is sung every single day tens of thousands of times. And just to give you a hint, it's, it's, it's not the Beatles, it's not Michael Jackson or, or U2 or any of those big old bands, but it's the most famous song in English. The Happy Birthday Song. Everybody knows that hymn. It is literally sung tens of thousands, if not millions of times every single day. And rightly so, because we celebrate this day, our birthdays. Chuck Henson, <laughs> when is Liz's birthday, by the way? When is it? You don't have to say the year, by the way. Don't say the year. I don't want to get you in trouble. When is it? April 16th. April 16th. Good, you know that, because you're a good husband, right? You know your wife's birthday. <laughs> Christopher Renteria, when is your birthday? June 12th, praise the Lord. Chris Renter, big Chris, when is Chrissy's birthday? Oh, 19th September. 19th September, I was, I was worried there, I thought you were going to hesitate, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> but immediately, we all know our birthdays, especially our loved ones and our, and our children, if you have children. Oh, my grandmother, on my dad's side, 
beautiful, amazing, loving woman. She knew all of the birthdays of her grandchildren. She knew it well. No matter what name, you say, Grandma, when is Michelle's birthday? And she'd tell you immediately, boom, she knew the year. When is my birthday? She'd tell you immediately, boom, there it is. She prided herself on knowing all of her grandchildren's birthdays. And rightly so. Because think about it, why are birthdays such a huge deal for us? Think about it, why do we celebrate it? Because whenever a child is conceived, and especially when the child is born, notice now what happens. A new creation enters into the world. A new person, a new person has entered, and the world has changed. And especially your family's life has changed every time a child is born. But now let me ask you, Chuck Henson again, put you on the spot. When was Liz baptized? What's her date? Ah, it's harder, isn't it? Ooh, it's a lot harder. <laughs> Chris, what's real? When were you baptized? Do you know your dates? No, you don't. It's hard, right? Chris, big Chris, when was Chrissy baptized? Ooh, it's a lot harder question, isn't it? It's a lot harder. Don't worry. Last night's mass, they didn't get it either. This morning at Portola, they didn't know either. Their own baptism when I called them out. And amazing, as, as you witnessed, this last two Sundays has been an amazing celebration for our parish. Two families, we have, we have two baptisms, we recall, each during the consecutive Masses, the last two Sundays. So thank them. If you remember, they all work at uh, Dos Hermanos. So next time you're in Sierraville and you get your enchiladas and your burritos, make sure you go into the back and you, and you congratulate the, the cooks huh, as we celebrate their birthdays or their baptism days. But if you remember, Andres, if you remember here last Sunday, Remember how he was dressed? He wore that beautiful white gown. He looked like a little king, didn't he? He was so beautiful. Andres, just dressed beautifully. All in white, decked out like a little baby Jesus. That's what he reminded me of. In the baptismal rite, there's a beautiful prayer after the baptism. And you're wearing white. And the priest says to you, the one who's been baptized, May this white garment, now notice the language, be an outward sign of your new Christian dignity. Of your new dignity you have in Christ. And the whiteness represents the purity now of a soul who is new. You see, the language that the church uses now, whenever a soul is baptized, that this person has been created new again. Something amazing has happened. In John chapter 3, verse 3, there is a famous conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. It's a famous, famous encounter. Jesus says to Nicodemus, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. The kingdom of God, in other words, in order for you to get into heaven, you must be born again. And then Nicodemus replies, because he took our Lord literally. He says, how can that be? How can I, as a grown man, 
re-enter my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus responds, truly, truly. Now, side note. Whenever the Lord precedes a statement with that phraseology, truly, truly, it's a sign. He only uses this, this technique a couple of times. When he says truly, truly, that's our cue. Pay attention. I'm about to say something very profound. So he responds, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now notice the language. Unless one is born of water and spirit, you cannot enter into heaven. You cannot. Immediately, Nicodemus would have understood the implication of those words. Because remember, in order to break open the scripture, we must put on our Jewish eyes. Remember that. We must look at the words in context. And for every first century Jew, they would have immediately understood that language. Water and spirit. You see, the God that we worship, my brothers and sisters, he's a pretty boring God. He's pretty boring. He's pretty repetitive. And when you see this, water and spirit, whenever God now creates something new, he always does it through water and the Spirit. Whenever we create something new, we must understand this. So let's jump back. Let's go all the way to the very beginning of the Bible. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And I'll read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now the next line, this is key. So remember that, water and spirit. And in this poetic language, because Genesis is written in, in, in long poetic prose. And the spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. So in other words, before God created the universe, it said that in Genesis, the very first verse in Genesis, that God's Spirit hovered over the waters. And then, after that moment, boom, you have the creative order. He begins to create, and we hear that language. And God created the heavens and the earth. God separated the waters from the land. God created, let there be light, and all that language in Genesis. And then, in that beautiful time, he takes, he takes the dust of the earth, forms Adam, and breathes into him, creating the human race. So in the moment of creation, when God creates the entire universe now, it's precisely through water and the Spirit. You see that? Now jump. We know the story well. Adam and Eve fall. Sin enters into the world. Human dysfunction, human pain, suffering now enters in. And if you remember, God was so disgusted with humanity. That he wanted to wipe out everyone. Because <laughs> we had disobeyed him. We had each gone our own way. And so God, and we know that again, chapter, now this is chapter 4 of Genesis. Enter Noah's ark. And we all know that story, again, briefly. 
God floods the world, destroys everything except for Noah. He has the famous ark. He puts all the animals in the ark. And then Noah's ark is with that family and they're floating on the waters. God destroys the earth except for that ark. And then Noah sends out the birds. He goes out to, to look for dry lands again. And then the only bird that returns is what? A dove with an olive branch in its beak. What is a symbol of God's Holy Spirit? A dove, isn't it? So in other words, as God now, through Noah, he creates a new civilization again. He does so precisely through what? Water, the floods, and the Holy Spirit, symbolized by the dove. That showed us now that there's land. And then God creates anew, doesn't he? Now this is not my, my ingenious interpretation. When you look back, St. Peter himself saw the connection. Writing in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, St. Peter says this. In the days of Noah, while the ark was being built... And in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolized baptism that now saves you. The removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God, it saves you now by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, St. Peter himself saw the connection. Waters, the Holy Spirit, new life. And he made that connection immediately. Baptism. 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 And if again, if that wasn't clear enough, jump back to another famous story. Exodus. Exodus 14. The story of Moses, who frees the Jewish people from the Pharaoh in Egypt out of slavery. He takes them down that long journey now to the promised land and he gets finally to the Red Sea. And if you've seen the, all those ancient movies, the Ten Commandments, what happens? So there's Moses now. He's standing in front of the Red Sea. He's being chased by Pharaoh who wants to recapture them and take them back as slaves to Egypt. So Moses now gathered the people, hot on his tail, the Egyptians. He's standing in front of the Red Sea, puts his hands out. Boom, what happens? The Red Sea parts. And the Israelites go through the water. And what is above them, leading them out? It said, a pillar of fire. What is another image of the Holy Spirit? Remember, on the Feast of Pentecost, now, I'm leaking all of, all of these texts. Remember, when Jesus tells the apostles, they're gathered there in the upper room, and Jesus tells them, wait here. Wait here until I send you the Holy Spirit. And then on the ninth day on the Feast of Pentecost, which we celebrate on that day, it said that the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles, right? As what? Tongues of fire. Do you see that now, the connection? Immediately, because going back all the way to Moses through Exodus, God saves the Jewish people through the waters of the Red Sea, led by His Spirit, symbolized by the pillar of fire. 
and then went to enter and cross the Red Sea into the Promised Land, what does God create anew again? He creates at that moment the nation of Israel, the chosen people. Do you see how God boring? How God, how God is so boring? He keeps using the same method, water, spirit. And so now, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles and the mission of the church begins. We are born on the Feast of Pentecost. The church receives the Holy Spirit. Now we are empowered to go out into the whole world. And in the first homily given by our first Pope, Peter, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he begins in his first homily to preach the whole mystery of salvation, which I just laid out for you. He begins to preach this to a crowd. And it said this crowd was so moved, and in the language of the, of the scripture, it said that they were cut to the heart when they heard the gospel message of their salvation in Jesus Christ. It said that they were cut to the heart. And they asked, what shall we do now? We accept the gospel message, the good news of Christianity. What do we do and Peter says, responds, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. See the language again. Baptism, water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him. Boom, new creation. And from that moment on, my friend, as the Lord gave us in Matthew 28 now, the last instructions that Christ left us before he ascended back to heaven. He tells the apostles, go out into the whole world. Teach them all that I have taught you and baptize them, all the nations, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Do you see, my friends, now why last Sunday Andres was dressed as a little king? Do you see now why you wear white on your baptism? Because through the water and the spirit, our salvation now was opened to us. The day when you were saved, so if anybody ever asks you, are you saved? Or are you reborn? We respond with, absolutely. I am saved through baptism, the Bible way. I'm saved. That was when my salvation began. And I have tremendous hope. So long as I cooperate with God's grace for the rest of my life. To stick with Jesus Christ and to live my faith fully. Heaven is open. So now, my brothers and sisters, I want to leave you here with a homework assignment. Next week, I'm going to ask you, when was your baptism? Scott, I want to ask you when Liz's baptism was. You got to find it. You got to track it down. Christopher, you got to track it down. Big Chris, you got to track it down. When I'll do my research for my homily, I realized I don't even know my own baptism. I don't know it. I don't know. I'm sorry. So tomorrow morning, in fact, I still remember the parish. I was baptized at Holy Trinity Parish in San Jose. I'm going to call them tomorrow morning, have the secretary track down my information. 
Because in that way, I want us to be as quick as we are with our normal birthdays. So when I ask you, Steve Rue, when is your baptism? Boom, you know it. Immediately. Jessica, when is your baptism? Boom, you would know it. Why? Because that day, my friends, we were reborn. We were saved on that day. Now look, my friends. I'm going to end here, I promise. Do you think the apostles 2,000 years ago, do you think they listened to Jesus when he told them, go out into all the world, all the nations? 2,000 years later, look at Christianity. There's over 2 billion of us now. We comprise every culture, every nation on earth. Do you see now why our missionaries all throughout the world right now baptizing people? Do you see why now it's so important for us to live our baptism? Because, my friends, when that water was poured over us, we received the Holy Spirit. And I end here with the gospel. I love our faith. Look how rich it is now. Look what happened when our Lord himself was baptized. This is amazing. This is good stuff. Look, it's beautiful. After Jesus was baptized, he came up from the water. Came up from the water. Look what happened next. And the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. That's what happens to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.